Welcome to the Agile Context Center podcast. My name is Arnold, and together with my co-host Sean, and sometimes with the help of special guests, we discuss stories, tips, and practices that will help you deliver outstanding experiences to customers as well as your people. We do this because our mission is to reinvent the contact center world for the better. In this episode today, Sean and I talk all things failure demand. Now, if you want to remove unnecessary calls, transform your call center from a cost center to a value center, as well as empower your teams to make a difference, then you should listen to this one. Thanks for tuning in. Well, let's get into it. Mm, So we were thinking a little bit about what topic to start off with. And I think we landed on what I probably consider is the most important part of contact centers. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, customer demand, failure value demand. Yep. So why, why most important? That's controversial. Well, I think we'll talk about why it's more important as we describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, let's let's start with what what even is that? Because yeah. for a lot of people, and I know when I first got introduced mm. to this, it, it took me a long time to understand this concept. Yeah. yeah. So it's not part of the normal language, is it, of a contact center? Not at all. It is. You don't get brought up on it, as I say, with no. air quotes that you can't see. It's mainly numbers that you hear a lot of. <clears throat> yeah. Seconds and minutes. Yep. You took, yeah. yeah, all of those other kind of ways of measuring customer interactions. Well, for me, I actually, I tend to agree with you, I think, in terms of its importance because it is, I think, gets the root cause of what drives effort with customers. So any organization, whatever they're offering, wants to provide the, the, the best possible product or service with the least amount of effort for their customer. So that's why I think this way of looking at customer interactions is so important um, and yeah it gets to the root cause so not just what happens at that point of interaction so how long did it take or what was the reason of that interaction it looks at what drove it in the first place so why did the customer have to interrupt their day to interact with you via whatever the channel was um, that is a that is an effort for them that they could have spent you know playing with the kids or going to the shop do shopping or whatever it might be so um, that's why I like it because it really it, it looks at it through the customer lens why am I having to interact with you and is it because I'm trying to pull value is it something that I'm trying to get it's a it's a new part of your product that I'm really interested in getting which is really cool and I want to I'll, you know that's actually how I want to interact with my contact center or is it something has gone wrong you said you do something and you didn't the product's supposed to work like this and it hasn't or um, I'm trying to follow up on something that I was expecting and that hasn't happened. So, and in those cases, yeah, that's a that's a real pain. I've got a great example at the moment of, with my health insurance provider. <laughs> cool, this I is good. Need to, Real examples, Arnie. Well, I, I genuinely need to update my credit card details with them. Yep. <laughs> but I just can't, I just don't want to call them. And it, I, I, don't, I don't believe that there's an actual way to do it online as well, so. Right. So that I think is what we call failure demand. It is. So yeah, so to your point, customer demand is about why the customer calls. So mm-hmm. what value or not like non-value are mm. they pulling from uh, the contact center or for our organization? And so we then you know break that down to the concepts of um, va- value demand and failure demand. So failure demand, I guess, would be what what we're talking about here, where mm-hmm customer would rather not have to call at all yeah. and we've all been there before i'm sure as mm. uh, as customers for different providers yeah um and so that's a lens 
uh, well, that's the sort of language that contact centers can start thinking about. What is failure demand? Mm -hmm. You know, what did this customer even want to call us in the first place? Yeah. Which traditionally is actually very different to what call centers usually think about, isn't mm -hmm. it? Like they're usually thinking, you know, yeah, how, how many like how many calls are we taking? Mm. How long are the calls going for? Yeah, yeah. How long are you taking after the call? Yeah. Are you calling them back? Are they call, is a the customer calling back again? Yeah. Those sort of things, rather than thinking, well, why did the call customer call in the first place? Yeah. And if calls are going up, we just need more people. Yes. Yeah, because we're getting more of these types of interactions. Which, so how how would you, because because when I first learned about it, the concept of value was one that I. Uh, spend a bit of time thinking about because contact centers exist also to provide they are that point of contact when things go wrong that is one of the reasons why organizations have customer service teams to field these types of calls so how do we separate that value how do you think about that it's a it's an interesting one i remember when it when we when we first introduced it in our um, call center and a lot of people didn't like the term fairly demand because mm -hmm. especially in the course and agents because they thought well you know i'm i'm not failing my values as customer i'm doing a really good job and they were they were yeah. doing really good jobs because they yeah. helped me in the customer yeah. and take a lot of pride in that too and they something's do. gone wrong and, and now I've, i fixed it that's right. so what are we saying that's not valuable but it's it and it absolutely is valuable it's yeah. crucial it's the heart of the of an organization really because mm. you're the voice of that customer but the, you're you're that first person the customer interacts with if they need something so it's uh it does take a bit of changing of mindset from it's not about the person that's taking a call it's about that actual um you know what what does that customer why is that customer actually interacting with mm. you Mm -hmm. rather than thinking of it as you've failed that interaction with the customer. Yeah, yeah. It's a failed interaction already because mm. the customer even had to interact mm. through a call center or had to interact yeah. with the organization. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also um, important to note that there is going to always be failure demand. I think that's probably the other thing, mm. that it's not something to for organizations to feel we've really failed here. Mm. Because inevitably, Inevitably, it's 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 going to happen because it, like technology is more and more complex. Your mm -hmm. products get more and more complex. Customer demands are always changing, so it's embracing that and actually realizing that that's the case. Yeah. But what you need to do is have a continuous improvement mindset to try to remove mm -hmm. failure demand. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. So then, how do we how do we get people to start thinking about failure demand? Then, how do you how have you seen it? work well in terms of people kind of getting it and then going okay here's what we need to do to try and understand it and build it into the way that we think yeah um it i think the, the easiest way to start off with is to just ask the people who are on the front line mm -hmm. um, once you start asking them once they understand what what you mean by failure demand mm. they'll give you the reasons yep. straight away yep yeah. What would you say to the to the people that will say, "Well, we've got all this data, we collect all this information, and <laughs> we've got this. Let's just go through that." Um, well, I mean, if you can, if you can get the data, and yeah. that's really easy to put together, and it's not going to take too much time, mm -hmm. sure, you know. Um, I, I think I definitely do think you want to get to a point where you can uh, actually start measuring that mm -hmm. in the sense of you know understanding why your customers are calling at yep. every interaction. Yeah. Um, but to get started, yeah, find out 
your top 10 reasons based on what your people are saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the ones have taking a thousand calls a month or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to know, really. They're going to get very close. And, and, and it's funny, like, talking about this, um, I remember in, in our call center that I, that I was working at, uh, we actually did that activity of, like, asking our people. And we got our top 10 inquiries. Mm-hmm. And we, oh, we were always a little bit iffy about it because we thought, oh, this isn't hard science, not hard data, but... You know, we need something. So we, we sort of, okay, we, we had an idea about like, we spent a lot of time then trying to do some measurements. So then we put in a new system in place, took a few months to actually get that going for people to start um, being able to categorize their calls. Right. And by the time we got that data and then analyzed it, mm. you know, it was three, four months down the track. It turned out to be very, very similar. It was very accurate. Mm-hmm. Like the top 10 were not too dissimilar to what, the actual data was showing mm. so it just taught it just told me that sometimes your gut feel is really close to the actual data itself yeah so don't get too hung up on it yep. it's important yeah don't get too hung up yeah and you've hit on a very important aspect of this which is we've been talking about the customer and why it's important for the customer and improving that so they can just pull value and the flow of work uh, but the the people side of this the benefit in empowering people giving them a voice trusting them and saying, tell us what the things are that are going wrong. You guys are probably talking about this all the time anyway, when you're on a lunch break or on a break, you're, you know, you're inevitably frustrated by the 10th customer that's called today because of the same thing. Um, that's a really important part of this for me. It's the, that you can't overlook that the focus on improving things for the customer um, and using your people at the front line, the people that interact with them to tell you what's wrong. And we'll probably talk now about, or in a bit about, like how you actually then turn those insights into some action, but keeping them as part of that process too is is huge from an engagement perspective. Absolutely. Um, and also, I mean, there's benefits as well for then leaders and managers who can then focus on laying the tracks for the future and all the cool stuff they want to do to make you know things even better for customers and their staff and letting letting the people at the front line focus on fixing these things. So, what have you seen work? How do you how do you take these insights and turn them into things that can make things better for customers. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been just, like, just we just had some um, crazy ones, you know, and just really simple things. You'll mm-hmm. be surprised that, you know, once you actually start um, digging deeper, you know, one that really always just stood out to me and was a great story that we told stakeholders um, was the fact that we actually got, so we had, we had actually our people telling us, we get a lot of calls from people asking just for an email address to send forms. And it was just never taken really seriously until we started looking into it and looking at the data behind it. And it then turned out that we were getting 300 calls a month to the call center just asking for our email address. And then you you go, okay, well, why is that even happening in the first place? Mm. And then you start digging deeper and you realize, well, your forms don't even have it. It's not on your website. And it was just a really simple thing to do. So we just went out to the different mm-hmm. stakeholders to do it and said, hey, we need an email address on the website. Mm-hmm. Can you just put it on there? And they're like, sure. Yeah. Done. You know? 300 calls gone. And all of a sudden, they're, they're gone, you yeah. know? So that was a really great story. Um, we had another one about a, um, a, a statement that we said to our clients at their, at their um, you know, uh, renewal every year, right? And, um, and it would say, Hey, log into your to your website. Use your member number, right? Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, they never got their member number. It's not on the form. It's not on, on yeah. any documentation they would have received. 
but we say refer to your member number. Yeah. So again, it's a situation where they go, well, the customer says, well, I want to log in online, but I can't. So now I have to call you yeah. <laughs> to right. get that together. <laughs> and the, the ironic thing was the form actually, the, the statement actually said, don't call us, log in online. <laughs> what a classic example. So it's, yeah, like, and, and so those are just the quick wins that you mm-hmm. can get. Um, yeah. And it's quite, it's quite, it's quite, like you said, empowering, mm-hmm. I think, for people to, to know that they're a part of it. And then you realize, like, you actually get a few people in, well, I mean, we found, we got a few people in the course center who were just such massive advocates mm-hmm. for what we were doing because yeah. all of a sudden they had a voice yeah. behind yeah. Um, what they were, what they were facing. Because it's not a great call as well to have. Oh, and, no. It's, I mean, it's like, this is silly. Why is how this fulfilled would you be? I, what, how was your day? Great. I told a bunch of people what the email address was. You know, <laughs> let's, let's let them, yeah, let's let's empower these these people who are way smarter than that to, to actually do really good And do good work. stuff. And, yeah. and that's maybe the, the other point behind it. You know, we talk, we've talked a lot about failure demand, but we probably should talk about um, value demand as mm. well. Yeah, right. definitely. Yep. And that's probably um, when we talk about uh, the point of core centers, or mm. why they should be there, right? Yeah, is that the value demand? Definitely, yeah. And uh, and so that that's then taking people away from the mundane, the repetitive. You know, yep. Here's how you find that email address. To my role here is to help be an advocate advocate for the brand, to be an ambassador for the brand, to be able to tell you all the cool stuff that this product can do, all the other great things this this organization can offer. Um, and almost make them, I, I like to kind of uh, imagine them almost like as mini marketers, mini product people um, that are there really, they're that sort of that the face of the organization to be able to help it grow and, and advocate for, for why it's so good. So, and clearly fixing stuff that's not, not great is, you know, you can, you can turn around a bad customer experience, but wouldn't be better if you could just get rid of as many of those as possible and allow your people to, you know, increase the number of interactions they're having around helping customers pull value that they want from your from your brand for those playing at home uh, we should probably describe a little bit of what value demand is because I, <laughs> I know it's, it's, a, it's another one that that i remember initially just hard to get my head around yeah. right so and then there's low value as well and then there's we low value about that there's, that's right that's where we get a little bit even more and more yeah, yeah. complex behind it and then there's low, low value. No, there's not really. No, no. Well, I mean, what, what I've found is, um, and, you know, maybe um, the, the person, I think it was John Seddon. I think that's yep. the... Yeah, there you the, go. That, we should probably... John Seddon, we should John give Seddon. him some credit here. Give, give him a shout yep. out. Uh, Vanguard. For the, for the yep. Vanguard, uh, what was it? The contact center book? Where, yeah, where was it? The, the Vanguard method, I Method believe. for contact centers, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so th- some of these these ideas come from that mm. book, which is which is really really cool. It's mm. a it's a tough book to read. It's a bit of a textbook, yes. not so much of a yeah. um, like a you know a, a read like you would have normally. It's <laughs> yeah. it is really yeah. a bit of a textbook. Yeah. Um, but the ideas in there is is where what, what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but I do feel low like I get what I tr- what I tend to do is actually group low value with fairly demand. Yeah. Because in a way, you, if you look at it, customers don't want to interact with us for mm. low value most of the time. Yeah. There's probably exceptions to that, yeah. right? Um, I, and I knew that there was exception because uh, we had older clients who actually didn't, even though it's something like a low value would be calling to update the address, yeah. but they could do this online. Yeah. And a lot of people did want to do it online, but there were a big group of customers who wanted to actually call us and mm. talk to us to update the address. Yeah, yeah. 
and that was actually great for them. Yeah. So um, it's definitely important to consider. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, try, I tend to look at that from that lens. But why don't you describe a little bit more around value demand and maybe examples a, a just for those example. playing at home? A good example of a, a value demand would be, let me, let me think. So let's say someone uh, was interested in applying for a new product. So they currently hold one product with you. Let's take a bank example. They've got a transaction account and they, they're in the market for a home loan. So they call you up and they say, hey, can you tell me about your home loan offers? Like, how does it work? What sort of interest rates you offer? Um, what's the, you know, the, which would be the best product for me? Well, maybe not so much the financial advice part, but typically the kind of questions that you would get from a customer that's yeah. kind of doing some investigation about a, a new product. And so your person on, on, the, on the other end of that interaction in the contact center is providing value because they're able to help that customer make, a, make an informed decision. So... That to me would be a great example of where they can add value because, and you know, if you let's break this down to the the real nuts and bolts of it, organisations want to save cost, reduce failure demand, and they want to increase their revenue, and they can do that through you know, loyal customers who want more products or you know take out, you know, whatever it might be, more products typically in, in at least in this example. Um, so for me, that's a good, really good example of, of value demand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, and the and the higher. Uh, percentage of calls you get uh, that are valued like high value yeah, yeah. Um, or value demand the better yeah right yeah um, and and that's probably you know and like I think we're, we're talking a lot about inbound calls aren't yeah we? but you know the more that you can reduce your failure demand as well mm. you can actually then start focusing on well can you call out to customers mm. um, not in a you know, super salesy way, but mm-hmm. maybe sometimes it's just to onboard your customers, like yeah. new customers that come yeah. in, right? Yeah. Like welcoming calls. Like those of real value calls, actually. Yeah. You know. That's um, been my experience in reducing failure demand is that you create this capacity in a contact center environment, whether it's inbound or outbound or even in a back office team, you, you create this capacity that then you have the license to use. Um, it's great if you can release some of those benefits back into the business in terms of cost savings, but... Typically, as a you know a contact center manager, you want to use a bit of that capacity to do this kind of cool stuff, so you can add more value to the organization. Go to marketing and say, "Hey, we can now help with those outbound calls you've been wanting us to make for all this time, or maybe reinvest a bit of that capacity into some more training for people, or you know, time to work on initiatives that they've been wanting to work on." So, yeah, I think it's that there's a huge upside. Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. Um. What else can we talk about customer demand wise? I think there's there's also, I mean, we should probably talk a little bit more about how do you implement it. Yeah, um, I think know, so, what, practical. What, yeah. yeah, like, well, I mean, I've given a couple of examples behind yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, love to hear your thoughts mm. on that as well. Um, but yeah, like, how, you know, how do you bring it to life? Yeah. How do you bring yeah. people on the journey? How do you start getting it removed because a lot of it what we found was um and and what i'm sure a lot of people will find if you start working in this way is that a lot of the reasons for why the customer calls is not the call center's fault Mm. which is the which is the really tough thing Mm -hmm. you know and most call centers focus a lot on um i I don't know about your one but Mm. um i think and this might have been the trend, it may might still be, was around first call resolution yeah. and it's repeat still, calls. Still a thing. Yeah. Still a thing, yeah. right? But then when you when we actually did the math behind it, repeat calls 
were a small portion of what you would call failure demand. Mm-hmm. The biggest portion was outside of your control. Yeah. And most of the time, where it might have been the, the course and agent's fault, per se, for a repeat call, yeah. it was also because of a really clunky process. Yeah. Yeah. That is, again, because of the organization, not pointing fingers at anyone, yeah. but just because of the way um, there's a process that's been created, yeah. something's been missed, the uh, way the system runs, what all those different examples yeah. actually contribute to the call. Yeah, yeah. So I think let's come back to the control piece because that's where, yeah. in terms of a tool that you can use to try to get stuff done. So for, for those still listening, hopefully there's one or two still listening, this is where you, you get your pen out and you write down this stuff because this is how you get to you get to make this come to life. So you talked about before, grab some people off the, 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 off the floor that are interacting with the customers. Yeah. Get some people that have got a voice and happy to share with with you what's going on, and just ask them, what are the what 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 are the doesn't even have to be top ten. Just just grab a, a deck of post-it notes, and get them to start writing down all the reasons customers call, where where they think it's related to, to failure. So do a bit of work explaining value and failure with them. Play this podcast to them. That might help. Um, <laughs> cut to then, the cut to the good bits. <laughs> fast forward to the good bits, and then get them to start writing them down. Put them up on a wall. You'll have some themes. You can do it individually. Do it as a do it as a group. Whatever works for you. But spend some time doing that, and then you'll come up with your themes, and you just get them to prioritize which ones of these are the, are the most. Come up with your top three. I'd recommend you could have ten, um, but but kind of hone your focus in on on maybe the top top three. The other way that you could do it is coming back to your piece around control, is looking at uh, on a on a spectrum of what are the what are the fixes for these? So if you were to fix them, what would it look like? And how, ma- how many of, or, or which ones of those are within your control and which ones aren't? Mm-hmm. And then you can you can do kind of a, an effort sort of scale as well if you wanted to. So how hard is it gonna be to get done and what's the level of effort involved? And the stuff that's within your control and is easy to do, that's your low hanging fruit. You can work on fixing that stuff straight away. Um, and then the stuff that's harder and outside of your control where you know, maybe there's a, te- a uh, technology solution that you need to put in place or some sort of funding and might need to go through your prioritization. Depending on how your enterprise is set up, that's the stuff you might, might be really worth doing because it might have a whole chunk of interactions associated with it, but it just helps you prioritize where to start. Um, and so once you've understood what your failure demand types are from talking to people, you can then start to go, okay, let's prioritize using this, this matrix work through the root causes of them. So, you know, what is it about, you know, having to reset, call and, and, and get your member number, for example. Yeah. What is it about that? How do we fix that? Who do we need to talk to? Whose help do we need? That starts to inform the control piece. Um, and then, you know, assuming you've, let's let's focus on the quick win stuff. You, you know what it is that you need to do. You know whose help you need, maybe within your team. Um, you can set yourself up a, a really simple sort of Kanban board with, you know, what, what are the initiatives that you're working on? Who owns them? Get some cool avatars, stick those on there. Um, and then start working through, you know, what's the stuff that you're, you're working on? Uh, so what's in progress? Um, then, you you know, what's done? Like you're working through it and you're getting it done. Um, so just a really, I'd start there. Just a really simple, simple way of tackling it. I hope the, those at home have, have you know, are vigorously writing away and taking notes from, from what John's <laughs> talked about. Because that is definitely all gold. Yeah. Well, they could just call um, us and we could come out and help. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think, you know, that, that, that is that is like, yeah. you know, um, also an important <clears throat> piece like yeah. to get started. Like how, how do you get started? And sometimes yeah. you need 
uh, that outside help to, to get started. Yeah. I mean, I know for us, um, when when we got introduced to this, it would have been very hard if we didn't have, you know, you know, someone come in. Mm-hmm. And for us, that was uh, Eduardo Nofuentes, yeah. um, the founder of the Agile 11, to actually come in and, and do work with us. Yeah. Um, I was a bit of a shameless plug, but I think... <laughs> I think, look, that and it's the honest truth. Like, I don't think we could have ever done yeah. any of what we did um, yeah. in our course and w- without that um, outside help. But, yeah. you know, yeah. if you can't get that help, um, you know, the notes yeah. that you've just vigorously taken, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that, that can definitely be a start. Look, and that's where that's where the outside help, or people who've done this before can help because they help you navigate around the bits where you go, well, what do we do now? And so you can get things done a lot quicker and you can avoid some of the mistakes. Now, making the mistakes is quite fun because that's I learned from stealing everything that I know off, off of Eduardo. So That's right. That was so your I, experience. That was my experience. Yes. So, and I'm a, I'm a shameless stealer of ideas and things. And, yes. But I, yeah, but I kind of worked my way through it. But um, yeah, getting started and having having the right mindset, I think is the, the best one. So if, so if you are getting started, you need, you know, for the leaders out there, your mindset has to be that you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fail, you're going to try some stuff, it's not going to work. So as you're reviewing your stuff that you're working on, you want to be reviewing that regularly. So it could be daily, you know, if you've got people working on this and that's all they're doing, maybe daily catch-ups with them and stand-ups is the way to go. But you want to get into some regular cycles of review so you can learn how it's gone, adjust your approach, and then go again. Yeah, I I think the, um, I think, I think the other thing as well is, getting buy-in from the business, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and so like the visualization that you were talking about of the work, you know, having that somewhat visible mm. for anyone to see in the call center, like to get that engagement that yeah. we were talking about, but yeah. also for anyone outside the business yeah. to actually write down, these are the reasons why customers are calling mm. um, and, and bring your stakeholders in, you know, the most important ones that probably um, have a lot of control over some of these, bring them over. A lot of them sometimes is IT. Yeah. We found the IT yeah. area was really yeah. bought in because they yeah. realized they had a lot of power to help mm. um, with the work that we were doing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, take in there and don't, you know, point fingers and say, this is your fault, go and fix this for us. You know, just tell them the story of what, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, um, I agree. And it's a very, it's a simple story. When yeah. you're ultimately trying to understand why your customer's calling, mm. And not and prevent them from having to call unnecessarily That's because right. they don't want to. Yeah, yeah. And um. then everyone wins. I mean, that, the bottom line is that there is the bottom line here. It's just you remove entire types of calls. Yeah. You will save money. The organisations that save money are going to do better, and those types of calls are really annoying for people. So they don't want to have to the people in the contact centre. So they're going to be happier, and you're empowering them to fix it. So from an engagement perspective, I don't know your experience, but I've certainly seen engagement improve. Uh, CSAT improved. I think you guys had a huge CSAT improvement in your context. Yep. Yep. So there's tangible bottom line benefits at the end of, of doing this as well. Yeah, that's right. And it almost transforms the way you look at the call center mm. because then all of a sudden, and um, you know, I th- this was this was at, at Eduardo Nofuentes's call center, right? Mm. Where uh, for his um, his contact center. They, the people there weren't your typical call center agents. Mm. They were what you were talking about. People who were there to be advocates almost for the customer yeah. to understand why they're calling, but then to do something about it mm-hmm. so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. 
you know, and and that and that's that's really cool. And that would be really great if call centers started changing to be a place where they are the ones who your customer advocates. Yeah. I've just come up with that yeah. now. Yeah. I think that kind of sounds I've never heard cool. that term before. There you go. <laughs> They're your great. customer advocates. And they and they just they just they yeah. don't they don't just solve that customer one customer's problem. Yeah. They'll solve that. Yeah. But then they solve it for all the other customers who may be impacted. Mm. You know, or get or get or put the wheels in motion to yeah. do that. Yeah. And that becomes the, the job. Yeah. And that's fulfilling work. Yes. That is the most fulfilling type that's of work. It. So that's it. And that's really, yeah, so you, you know, and, and to your point, the benefits around it, like even uh, retention of staff, mm. you know, not just mm-hmm. losing them to um, other parts of the business, yeah. but actually making it a place where they actually want to stay and work. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Agree. Well, what else can we talk about custom demand-wise? Have we, have we emptied out the, uh, the tank? I think we've emptied out the, the tank, tank because tank I think if we keep going, we're, gonna, we're going to start... Uh, going into some of the other areas. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. For more content like this, subscribe to this podcast on anywhere that you get your favorite podcasts. Your support helps us continue to create content like this. And for other resources and for more information, you can check out our website at www.theagilconnectcenter.com.au.